1: You're doing well and welcome to the very first episode of the Ariel Hawani Basketball Show. Man, I am so excited about all of this. It is so amazing to be launching this with the good people at Showtime Sports and Showtime Basketball. They've been doing an amazing job. Covering the great game of basketball that I love so dearly. As I said in the trailer that you can check out above, I've been a basketball fan for as long as I can remember. And my initial dream as a sportscaster was to be a basketball broadcaster. Well, I took a detour, but we are here. We are launching this bad boy. And like I said, I'm on cloud nine. I can't wait to get rolling. And I'm so excited about episode one. How about this? I mean, you talk about coming out of the gates with a bang. We are coming out of the gates with a bang because we have the man who is most likely, I feel very confident in saying this, most likely going to win the 2023 NBA Coach of the Year Award. It will be his second time when he does so. He is the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, who have been one of the best stories in the NBA this season, and dare I say, one of the best stories in sports. Not made the playoffs for the last 16 seasons, longest drought in current American sports. And, I mean, they've been through a lot. That market, that city, that town has been through a lot. They almost lost their team not that long ago. And, you know, ups and downs, many a transaction, many a player has come in. But when they hired Mike Brown from the Golden State Warriors last season, I think a lot of people thought, all right, maybe the ship is going to get strained out here. I don't think anyone thought that we'd see this. One of the best teams in the Western Conference, currently number three, Again, one of the best stories and a shoe in in my opinion, to not only make the playoffs, but for Mike Brown to become the coach of the year. What a tremendous story, and what a tremendous guy. A great storyteller, amazing energy, amazing perspective, enjoyed this conversation so very much, and I couldn't be happier that Mike Brown... Given how great of a story this is and how great of a person he is, is our very first guest on the Ariel Halwani basketball show. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and please enjoy this conversation with the great coach of the Sacramento Kings, the one and only Mike Brown. <laughs> All right. This is a great pleasure for me. You know, in the history books, when people look back on the Ariel Hawani Basketball Show and they ask, who is the first ever guest? Who was the first ever guest in the history of this program? The answer will be the 2022 slash 2023 NBA Coach of the Year, the one and only Mike Brown, head coach for the Sacramento Kings, joining us on our first episode. And what a huge, huge deal this is. And I have to tell you, coach, first off, thank you so much for doing this. You know, I'm going to get into the story of how we met, but my Rolodex in basketball isn't quite as deep as it is in the world of fighting. And so when they, you know, gave me the task of going out there and finding guests for this program, I was like, geez, Louise, I, you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of, you know, big names in the, in the phone. I don't have the equivalent of Conor McGregor in my phone. And I said, you know what, I do know the future coach of the year, why don't I just, you know, throw out a text? There's no chance he's going to reply. And if he does reply, he'll probably say, let's do it in the off season. Not only did you reply, you replied within minutes. And not only did you reply within minutes, you said yes, couldn't believe it. So thank you for the street cred, my friend.
0: Hey, you got it. You're my guy. You've helped me out plenty of times in the past. And so anything i can do to help you my man or connect with you i'm all for it i'm all i'm bad 100
1: well i appreciate that very much and and yes uh, you did send me a text around two or so years ago before we ever spoke i thought i was getting pranked i have to be honest because you were uh you were an assistant with the warriors you were getting ready for the olympics with the nigerian basketball team men's basketball team and, and you asked if i could connect you with israel adesanya and Kamara usman for a video to the guys was happy to do it, but yeah. I had to call you just because like your voice is is very recognizable. Because I was like, there is no way Mike Brown knows MMA, knows who I am, wants Izzy's for infra- Like, what is going on here? Lo and behold, yeah. it was you. So, cheers to that.
0: No, I, I I love MMA. So I I I watched you a ton and, and what you do and, and those guys. I, I man, that's that's a that's a crazy phenomenal sport. There's no way I could ever do that so much respect for those guys and I'm a, I'm a huge fan so so thank you thank you for helping me but thank you for uh helping us viewers get more educated on the game itself
1: i appreciate that we're not talking mma on this particular episode we're talking basketball which i love and you're so good at coaching and obviously it's been a dream season for you and, and could i ask you off the bat like be honest with me when you took the job when you were hired last spring did you imagine this or has this exceeded your expectations? Like 16 year drought, you know, the spot that you guys are in now, the, the team, the culture, the, the cohesion. Could you have ever have imagined this or are we so far beyond what you dreamed of?
0: No, I, I, I tell this to people all the time they, and I, I know nobody believes me, but I, I have two valid sources. Two of my assistant coaches, um, uh, one, uh, Jordy Fernandez. And the other one, Luke Lauchs. Luke Lauchs was with me for four years, five years in Golden State. And he's a young guy. And, and, you know, he knows computers and, and analytics and all that other stuff. And Jordy I had hired when I was a head coach in Cleveland 15, 16, 17 years ago to get him in the league. So both those guys, especially Luke, working together, every time I went on an interview, Luke helped me prepare for the interview you know, put together, helped me get together my analytics and all the other stats and stuff that I needed. And and we talked about every single job that we were about to interview for. And I say we because, like I said, he helped me out and we were about to interview for. And when the Sacramento opportunity uh, opened up, not that we were going to get an interview yet, we both talked about this job and the potential here. And we felt that if we, if these guys, if we can get these guys organized, if we can get them to compete, uh, and if we can You know, obviously be injury-free for the most part while being a little lucky with Sabonis and Foxy as your two pieces of your core, starting with two pieces of your core. And then, you know, Harrison Barnes and a couple other guys that we thought were a little bit better than what they showed. We can definitely fight for a chance to be in a playoff and and worse, a play-in spot. And so, you know, being maybe in the second spot at times Uh, this early in the whole deal is a little surprising. Also having an offense that's quote-unquote on the historic level uh, is a little surprising, but we really, uh, at the beginning, even before we took the job, felt that this particular situation was a playoff-ready situation if you got a little luck in. And those three things happened.
1: You know, sometimes um, with teams like losing season after losing season, a culture, a bad culture starts to develop. What was your, as an expert, right? Like as, 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 as a guy who has been there, done that, coach of the year in the past, what was your diagnosis of this organization? Did you feel like a lot of radical changes needed to be implemented?
0: No, I, you know, cause you never kind of, you never really know from the outside what's truly going on inside an organization with a group of people. I knew that I had a vision of how I'd like to establish the culture here Uh, and I call it a sustained winning culture because you don't want to come in here and be a one-off, you know, where you have a great year and then you disappear the rest of the time that uh, you're here. And so we wanted to try to build something from the ground up and make it sustainable at a winning level. And, um, and so I had a plan for that. I, I took the job, you know, during our playoff run when I was with the Warriors, And I did not necessarily go on the court and talk basketball with the players uh, until training camp started. I I take it back. I went on the floor twice when they were playing pickup. You know, I just stopped the pickup game and and made a point of whatever I saw or whatever. I went. Other than that, I let all my assistant coaches handle the X's and O's on court stuff because I was about trying to build the right culture. And laying the foundation, so everything that I talked about with the guys, connecting with the guys, trying to get to know their families, and establishing what I felt was the right uh, the right environment to have a strong culture, and it, it came down to it comes down to three things for me. The, the, the first one is there has to be a vertical and horizontal alignment of trust between all the units of the organization. So from uh, the medical uh, team, to the strength and performance team, to the coaching staff, to the ticket sales, to community relations. All the units have to be vertically and horizontally aligned. Uh, I have to, and part of that is I have to be visible. People have to see my confidence. I got to give ownership to the group. All those things have to fit in order for that to work. The second thing is I, I had to establish a set of uh, principles uh, and values. Um, and I had to make sure that the leadership amongst the different units around the organization uh, bought into it, and also helped me uphold uh, the, the the what those were. And uh, and then the third one is, you know, I had to make sure that everybody understands. Anytime you have a group of people, they ha- everybody needs to know what their role is. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have people overlapping, you know, fighting for the same thing, and all this other stuff. And and not only know what the role is, but they have to embrace their role. Okay, There's three ways you can go. You can reject your role. Obviously, which is not good. You can accept your role, which means one foot in, one foot out, you know, one foot in when things are going well, but when things ain't going well, but the out is going to take over or you can embrace your role. And so we wanted to make sure that we defined everybody's role while giving them ownership as individuals and helping us define their role so that they embraced it at the end of the day. And, you know, if those three components are right, then you have a chance to, you know, to to lay a beautiful foundation that can be winning basketball or, or winning culture for many years to come. In my belief,
1: to that last point, I had read and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, around training camp, you had everyone sign a contract, pretty much agreeing to their role. Where did you learn? I, I've never heard of that happening before. Where did you Where did you come up with that? Or is that just something that you that you that you came up with? Or did you know Was it from someone else?
0: Not, so, you know, I started thinking about, you know, putting this whole uh, thing together culturally. And, um, uh, you know, I, and I I really value it. I, I I think highly of it. I think it's extremely important. When I was younger, I, mean, I, I felt like I worked hard. My X's and O's were, I thought, pretty good, especially defensively. And I was going to check the box and make sure we weren't missing anything. But I really didn't buy you uh, trying to uh, implement a sustained culture within the environment of the group. You know, I thought hard work would basically lead us down the pathway of having a great culture, but there's more to it than that. And being around Steve Kerr for the six years that I was uh, and listening listening to him message to his group every single day and add to the uh, the strength of the culture that was already there, was an unbelievable experience for me. So, again, anytime you value something in life, you usually sign a contract uh, when you value something. And so I, I truly value the the makeup of uh, what it meant to have a strong winning culture. And when I presented this to the guys, basically, you, you know, talking to them about the vertical and horizontal alignment of trust, talking to them about our values and our, our principals talking to them about their roles, I wanted to make sure that they understood how important it was to me that this needed to be in existence, and not just talked about today and forgotten about, but needed to be in existence every single day going forward, because it only gets harder once you attain a certain level. And with that being the case, if you're going to be a part of this and you value this like I do, then Let's sign a contract saying that, okay, I understand what's going on. I'm buying into this philosophy. I value it as well. And to prove that I value it, i am putting my name on, on the contract. And so we had three banners made up that list basically that stuff. Uh, and um, and we had everybody from Vivek on down to Matina, our, our team president, Monty uh, McNair, our GM, and, and every single player and every single coach sign it. We framed uh, two of the three. One is in our locker room downstairs at our home arena. The other one is in our training room upstairs in our uh, practice facility. And then we carry one with us on the road so that uh, we can hang it up when we get into an opponent's uh, busy locker room, just as a reminder that, hey, uh, if anybody tries to go sideways, remember never look. You signed this thing. You agreed to it. Because you didn't have to sign it because it, I gave everybody that out. I said you don't have to sign it if you don't want to. You don't believe it. So everybody signed it. So we, you know, it was a, it's a thing of duty because we had to refer back to it a couple of times this year. Oh
1: really? <laughs> Can you tell me about one of those times?
0: Uh and then now, hey, no, I'm gonna keep everything okay. in house. All right, then, fine. You know, like hey, look now, we all signed this. Don't forget now.
1: <laughs> Accountability. That is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. You know, speaking of your time with the Warriors, right before that was uh, your second stint with the Cavs and it ended somewhat unceremoniously. Did you think in that period, I know you were a little bit out of the, uh, the coaching ranks there for a season. Um, was there any part of you that was afraid that you would not get a head coaching job ever again?
0: No. It, it, <laughs> there was a part of me that thought that I wouldn't get a head coaching job again. I'm not afraid, because I—I mean, I've been fortunate, blessed, lucky—however you want to call it—to have the career that I've, I've had so far, you know. And at that time, I was going through a divorce, and you know, my kids were uh, college age, going into college, and so I needed to step away from the game uh, more so to take care of myself personally. And um, and I had an opportunity to get back in as an assistant by. I put those things on hold, and and Pop was great Uh, down in San Antonio. He basically let me be a consultant uh, for for near about two years, and you know I had carte blanche. I could come and go. I was basically an assistant coach that could come and go as he pleased, even traveling with them in the locker room, the whole nine yards, and and, uh, you know this allowed me to go spend time with my boys. Uh, wherever they were without having the pressures of worrying about, no, I can't go or I have to be here and I can't go see them. And so it was a great time for me to self-reflect, kind of find myself and and then get my mind right to get back, back into the game. And so, I again, once I took that job with the Warriors, beautifully, beautiful people there, fantastic job. Uh, I, I mean, I could have done that the rest of my life, but there's obviously a competitive spirit within me that wanted another opportunity to head coach again. And did I think I'd get, I I don't, I didn't know. I'm I'm a guy that thinks the glass is half full as opposed to half empty. And so I always, you know, kept kept, uh, the hope up that I would get an opportunity someday, but it wasn't anything that, um, you know, I worried about, or I was depressed about, or I fretted about. A lot of it had to do with the situation that I was in. It was such a lovely situation that, you know, if it, if it came right away, great. If I had to wait another five years, great. If it didn't happen at all, hey, I, I, I could have done that. I could have worked for Steve Kerr forever. He's such a fantastic, fantastic human being. And then the players there, the city, the the, the, the ownership group was all first class, top notch.
1: I've always wondered this when you're a former coach of the year, um, take your team to the finals, great success. What is it like those first few games where you're now an assistant Is that humbling? Like, how how does the ego handle that?
0: That's a great question. Um, No, you you know, I I mean, I always felt like uh, I've been in, you know, I've been the the Warriors situation was fantastic for me, and it was a fantastic opportunity to win, and so I never, I never really looked at it like that, neither, you know. Uh, And Steve gave me, I mean. The voice he gave me when I was with the Warriors was uh, extraordinary. I mean, it, it, I, I had a strong voice there and my, my opinion mattered. And so, I, you know, it wasn't that over time, you know, you get to a point to where, you, you know, you start. Yeah, you know, I learned a lot from Steve, especially with him being a young coach. But over time, you start to say, OK, well, if I'm in this situation, I'd probably do it a little different. And you want to do it a little different, but then you got to remember your place. And so you got to kind of Ease back or push yourself back a little bit, but in terms of it being humbling, I, I I really really enjoyed being around and learning and working with Steve as well as everybody else. So that I was I never experienced that.
1: You know, um, I've I've read what a lot of players have said about you, and and they they've been glowing about your success this past year. And it seems to me like you know this term is thrown out a lot: players, coach. But when I hear you talk about you know, and I've heard you say this in other interviews too, like, you know, you you want to know about their families, you want to know about their loved ones, you want to know about their wives, girlfriends, etc. And that comes first before we talk about basketball. Do you feel like that is somewhat of a, a lost art when it comes to coaching? Because it does feel sometimes like there's this divide and maybe some coaches want that. They don't want to be buddies or, or or come down to their level. It seems like your approach is completely different. Like, you want to be one of the guys. You I even saw this great video where when they announced – that or when they told you that you won uh, Coach of the Month, and you know they kind of played this prank on you, right? Where they were the, your fellow assistant coaches were telling you that something was going on, something serious, but it was that you were the first uh, Coach of the Month for the Kings since Rick Adelman, I do believe. And and it just yeah. felt like you seemed you came across on the video as just one of the like. If I would have had to guess who was the head coach in that group, and this is a compliment, it would have been hard because you just seemed on the same level as your assistants and it feels that same way with the players is is that a conscious thing that you do
0: hundred percent that you know i i'm asking our players on a daily basis a you know so uh, really embrace your role no matter what your role is and sometimes there may be an opportunity for your role to be a little bit bigger whether it's that game that practice or that situation and if that does happen Everybody else just needs to show love and support for their teammates, and it doesn't matter who's in the spotlight right there. If we if we have success, we're all gonna get glory and love and all that other stuff. It's all gonna come, and so uh, so for me, it, 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 it's it's really big for me to let our players see that it's not about me. I don't have all the answers. Jay Triano is a smart basketball coach, and I have no problem at all. Letting him take the clipboard and going into that huddle with five seconds left on the game clock and us down one and him drawing up a play, which he did in, in, in LA against the Clippers in that historic uh, double overtime game, 175 176. That three that uh, that Malik Monk hit at the end of, I think at the end of regulation, that was Jay. He went, to, I had no clue, just like the players. I'm like, okay, what's he going to draw up? Oh, okay, that looks good. And they went out there and they executed it to the and got a great shot. And so I want our players to understand, hey, this is a group effort. You know, if somebody else has a better feel or somebody else could do this or do that, I have no problem letting them step up and taking care of it because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do one thing, which is win that game. And so we all, with, with that one goal in mind, if it happens, we all prosper. So, yes, I try to be that way consciously no matter who it is, on my staff, or whoever
1: it is that I'm around. Jay Triano, a former Canadian men's basketball yes. head coach, a big fan of his as well, um, as, as a Canadian. Um, speaking of Malik Monk, one of my favorite plays as far as the Kings are concerned, this season, early in the season, you literally pushed him to go to the corner to hit a big three after a big defensive stop. Uh, rarely, if ever, see that happen. Could you tell me what is going through your mind? Are you just like, he's not going to listen to me. I'm going to literally push him into that position. And, and then when it works out and he nails the three, what are you feeling?
0: Uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I just got caught up in the moment. I'm an excitable guy in one of our five staples offensively, uh, is spacing, and we're all big proponents of filling the corners in transition, because a lot of positives happen if you can fill the strong and weak corners in transition. It just opens up a, a, the floor tremendously for a guy like Fox or Domas to play make, whether it's for themselves or for their teammates. And Malik, you know, he's a tremendous basketball talent. He doesn't always run hard to the corner because he wants to throw ahead so he can attack off the dribble or get a drag pick and roll, and the best angle to do that from is from the wing. But if you're the first guy, you can't run slow. you got to get to the corner. And so as he's running up the court, I can see him kind of looking back and slowing up. And I'm like, Malik, run, run, Malik. <laughs> so he starts to go a little faster, and I just felt a little nudge would help him get there. And once he hit the three, it was great because I could go back to him and I could say, see, if you run, you will be rewarded just as much as if you don't run. And it will be a lot easier to shoot an open quarter three than to go make a playoff dribble.
1: I loved that. I also loved uh, a recent post game press conference after the game against the Bucs where like I, I could see the MMA fighter and you come out, where you said we're not going to be pushed around, you know, like they're not going to come here and and muscle us, which I loved. And and you know, you sometimes hear that from coaches, but it just felt like you were like you were you were ready to fight, and and hopefully that attitude trickles down to the players. Is is that something that you felt like you had to teach? your young team, because let's be honest, a lot of them haven't had a lot of success in the league. They haven't had playoff success. They haven't tasted anything that you've tasted as as, as a coach. So did you have to kind of like, almost early on, like tell them you gotta believe that you could, you're not gonna be pushed around by the the former champs, the Bucks, no one's gonna come here and intimidate us. Was that something that you had to do? And, and by saying that to the media, are you also kind of speaking to your team as well when you say something like that?
0: 100%, you know, and, and it's about us believing uh, not only believing we can win games, but believing we can be the most physical team, believing we can be the smartest team, believing we can be the fastest team. Believe- All those things come into play, especially if you want uh, to, to not only just make the playoffs, but advance in the playoffs. And you're right. We don't have many guys on our team that have been in uh, um, the big roles and have won at a high level, especially come playoff team. Now, we ha- we've we had some guys that have made the pl- playoffs, you know, but I, th- I think you know, it, we have maybe uh, DelaDova and uh, Harrison Barnes. Because DelaDova was in the rotation when they won a championship. So we have two guys that were in the rotation when they the teams were uh, made it to the finals, won a championship, of those two. And then besides that, Domus has been, been in playoffs before, but I don't think he's advanced past the first round. You know, Trey Lyles, I think he was in the playoffs before, but he wasn't getting significant minutes. And, and so for, for me, it's extremely important to let our guys know that, hey, nobody's going to give anything to us. Not only that, they're going to try to take not just the game, but while they're taking the game, they're going to try to take your hearts because they don't want you to put up a fight at all. And if there's any any resistance or pushback or anything out of the ordinary that somebody does to you, you got to stand your ground no matter what that means to let these guys know, okay, hey, we might not win this game, but you're not going to come up here and start taking everything from us to make us not believe that we should be here playing this game at a high level with you guys.
1: Long before you became uh, an NBA head coach, were there coaches that you looked up to that you – wanted to emulate that you know like the history of basketball to me is is tremendous and you know the, the red arbox the red holtzman's all these guys like were, were there guys that yeah. you would read about would watch clips would try to study their philosophy any any come to mind for you
0: well i, I tell you there, there were guys that I, I kind of watched on tv that you heard about that were this or that was that and you know you always try to take a little bit like you know and, and you can't coach like him anymore. But just the, the, the discipline that Bobby Knight had with his teams back in the day, you know, the, the stuff that he does now, I mean it, it, looking back, you're like, oh, that's crazy. That's crazy too. Oh, that's crazy too. <laughs> but you could just feel that the discipline that his team showed every single time they stepped on the floor. Not only that, they showed like a mental and physical toughness that's off the chain, you know, off the charts. And so. Uh, to be able to watch that and see how how mentally and physically tough those guys were while playing just a disciplined game of basketball was fun for me to watch. And and you know even watching a guy like Key Smart hit that jumper you know along the baseline you know that little mini pull up and so seeing those guys had some freedom to go out there and be themselves or express who they are as players was also neat to watch too. And then. You know, even Lenny Wilkins, you know, Lenny just had this cool demeanor about him, and it seemed like everybody loved playing for him. All his players, you could see when he talked to them on TV, on the sidelines, the way they looked at him. It's it just something about his, his coolness that attracted me to to uh, watch him coach. And then the last person is, is probably Chuck Daly. Chuck just was, man, he just, I don't know, to get that group to play the way they did, that uh, was that was brilliant. I, I I loved watching Chuck for, for for many years, and and to do what he did with the group of players he had, and 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 help them establish having an identity that everybody believed in, to help them get over the hump and maybe overachieve, was a uh, second to none. So those three guys, I I had a lot of interest in watching growing up.
1: Uh, I mentioned your uh your tenure as the uh, Nigerian basketball coach. I'm assuming for 2024. You're not going to do this anymore, right? Like you're too busy for that?
0: It's been tough. I, I, I'm not going to do anything this summer. Uh, we, the team did not qualify for the 24 Olympics. Um, so, oh, that's we'll already
1: see. off the table?
0: Well, there's a chance that they can still qualify. There's a tournament this summer that they can go to, and they'd have to win the tournament. Uh, I, I've been coaching nonstop since I think 2018 or 2019 in the summertime. And, uh, you know, obviously being a head coach with the, with the Kings and trying to get this thing going the right direction, coaching every summer, two or three different tournaments uh, in the summertime at a, at times, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to do anything this summer. If we qualify and they want me to be involved uh, the following summer, then I, I would definitely think about doing so.
1: Did you enjoy it a couple of years ago?
0: I, I did. I, I had a blast. You, you talk about talent. Ariel, the, the talent that, that Nigeria has is, is it's insane from top to bottom, especially the guys that are in the league, and they have it from various positions, and it's only going to get better. Uh, so I, I enjoyed being around the players. Uh, there were some, some things behind the scenes politically that, uh, you know, that you run into that you're not used to, especially not being involved with them before, uh, that you have to get adjusted to. But uh, it, it was a fantastic, fantastic time for me and a tremendous learning experience
1: for me. Uh, I know this is kind of like asking a father who's his favorite child, but just curious, like where would this season, I know we're not done yet and, and there could be some incredible magic to come, but right now, like where would you rank this season in terms of all the great years that you've had as a coach? Is this, is this number one because of how great it's been and, and all the love and, and, and how somewhat unexpected it's been is, is it unfair to rank it just yet? Where would you put it right now?
0: Uh, it, it is It is still a little early to rank it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I will say this, so far it's been, uh, if, if it hasn't been the best, it's definitely top two, at minimum top three. And, and just, it's mainly from this uh, uh, standpoint that to be able to feel the vibe with the people outside the organization, around town, around the city, and to see on their faces uh, when you get an opportunity to be out and about, the joy that you feel like you were a part of bringing to them uh, and how proud they are, it's, it's nothing better. You know, in my opinion, in life, when you can touch somebody you don't know and bring that, that proudness, that joy to them, that's it, it, second to none in terms of feeling like you're trying to accomplish something that's just bigger than you. And, and so I, it would be up there for
1: sure. I was just going to ask you about that, like going around town, because that, that market has been through so much, right? They almost lost their team, not that long ago. And it feels like they have a little bit of PTSD and they had such a great run in the early 2000s. And then it all kind of came crashing down and almost lost it forever. Do you feel like you get like genuine love and and, and like people coming up to you, just thanking you for what you've done, the the, the joy, like this has been such an amazing story, arguably one of the best stories in sports this year, and certainly in the NBA. Do you feel like you get that gratitude, unlike previous seasons as as a coach?
0: A hundred percent. And this that's not knocking the fans and any of the other spots that I've been in. It's, it's just keeping it real in how hungry, how passionate, uh, how intelligent this fan base is in Sacramento. And to be where they are, to be where they were, to kind of get knocked down for so long, and be the brunt of so many jokes and all that other stuff, especially when, you know, this is your only uh, professional team uh, in the US. Um, It's tough for, tough, uh, for, for the folks here to handle. And, you know, not only does it bring joy and excitement, but people here are hardworking and they're extremely proud of their city. And it's a beautiful city. And so to be able to have something on a national stage, Uh, that they can be proud of and no longer hear the jokes that they've heard in the past uh, makes this even that much more special, uh, not only for myself and for the team, but for uh, everybody in the organization, and in particular, everybody in the city.
1: Okay, just a couple more and I'll let you go, I promise. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much for the time. Has anyone in particular been a very pleasant surprise for you on the team? You thought he was going to be something and he's now something completely different and you are just kind of blown away pleasantly surprised by what he's brought to the table
0: yeah i mean th- I can. Th- there are a lot of guys you know starting with Thomas fox I know th- I knew those guys were good but some of the things that they're accomplishing night in night out against the different levels of competition in the NBA are amazing you know I, like for instance fox did I think he could be as quote unquote clutch as he is i thought he could score uh, at a very high level, I thought he could set his teammates up. I thought he could help us win games. But to see him close in tight ball games with the confidence that he has has been really special for me to be around and witness. You know, Domas, you know, you look at Domas, and I thought he was a, a, a good ball handler for a big. I thought he could score. But, but the way he – not only initiates our our early offense, but sometimes gets to our second, third options, is ridiculous. I mean, it it is ridiculous at how good his ball skills are when it comes to setting guys up, passing, setting screens, understanding angles, and all that other stuff. It's off the charts. It's way better than what I thought. And, you know, I thought there was one guy that's like that, and that's Draymond Green. Uh, Dolmas is the other guy that's like that. And, and that's not taking anything from Jokic. He's like, well, what about Jokic? Well, to me, what Jokic does, he can get off the glass and he can come down and he can make the pass. But he's not going to necessarily get from that initial pass or that initial part of the early offense, get the ball reversed, even on the dribble, and get to a second or third option by himself while he's being pressured. Domas has shown the ability to do that. Same with Draymond. So that really has made him, in my opinion, uh, a lot more special than what I imagined. And then you know, I could go down the line from there. And, you know, a young guy like Davion Mitchell, he surprised me. He surprised me with his ability, especially offensively. You knew he had it in him defensively, but he's won some games for us, hitting some big shots throughout the course of the game. You know, he's hit some big threes. He's gotten to the bucket. He's done some things offensively that surprised me in terms of taking the right shots at the right time and then knocking them down. Kevin Herter. Kevin is a guy that really, you know, I knew, you knew he was a shooter. I knew he could play make, especially as a secondary ball handler. Uh, but to just watch him create separation with his movement off the ball, that's a thing of beauty. That You know, to me, that's up there. Again, he's not Clay Thompson. So, folks, don't uh-huh. say I'm sitting I'm saying Kevin is Clay Thompson, you know, Clay's a Hall of Famer. It's yet to be seen if Kevin will, but his ability to create set, uh, separation and move out, out the ball is really, really dynamic. And it's up there with the best of them in the game and today. and I, I'm sure I can go down the line with the others, but those are the ones that just pop right off, the, right off the screen to me when I watch us play.
1: So getting to 40 wins is big, getting back to the playoffs big. How do you explain to your team that just getting to the postseason isn't the goal? Like, don't be content with this. It's not good enough to just make it and then, you know, lose in the first round shot. You know what I mean? Like, Because we've seen that sometimes, right? A young team exceeds expectations and then they fizzle out in the playoffs. How do you explain How how do you get that point across?
0: The biggest thing is making sure they they believe. And from day one, we told them this just wasn't about making the playoffs uh, or making a playing game. We told them our goal – is to win a championship just like everybody else. And I even said, if you don't believe it, this is probably not the situation for you because we're going to fight our tail off every day to attain that goal just like everybody else is going, no matter what people are saying or thinking about us. And, you know, I spoke to a guy, a really good friend of mine, coached me before at USD. He was an assistant. He's now the head coach at St. Mary's College, Randy Bennett. And Randy took over a, a, a program that was a perennial doormat in St. Mary's back in the day. And so I spoke to him at, at length after I got the job in terms of well, what you know, what did you do when you first took over the job? Are there any things that you regret or what would you change when you look back? And the biggest thing he said to me, he said, he said Mike, I, I know that I, I'm gonna bring in a certain type of player. I feel confident in what I'm gonna bring culturally and all that other stuff in terms of establishing things for the team. He said, "But the thing I didn't think enough about was getting our guys to believe. Working on that every day. He said we'd be in a lot of ball games because our guys were playing hard, competing their behinds off. We'd be three minutes left to go in the game, and we look up and we'd be up two, and it's like, are we supposed to win this <laughs> you know? and, and then the other team looks at our jerseys and sees St. Mary's College. Oh, let's turn, let's turn that switch on now. Let's beat these guys. And we collapse a lot of times because we didn't have that belief. And so I took that to heart. So." Every little opportunity I got to add to the belief of what our goal is supposed to be with this team, I reinforced 10 times dramatically just to let them know that, no, this is real. And look, look at this little victory. we won this little victory. And I guarantee you, 99 out of 100 people out there didn't think we were going to get over the hump in this circumstance. So we're better than that. We're going to keep showing it until our our run ends.
1: If the playoffs started today, it'd be Kings Warriors in round one. Can I be cheeky enough to ask, is that the one we want? Is I mean, you know, friendly, but is that is that the one we want?
0: The only positive about it is it's a easy drive. That's, like true. That's true. So we can get our fans down there, you know, so it doesn't sound like a, an away game, hopefully, for us if it happens. But, I, you know, I look at it this way. We truly – or trying to fight for a championship like everybody else. And people I know are looking at me, oh, he's not excited. That's fine. But at the end of the day, if we are truly trying to be that, it doesn't matter who's there. We, we got to beat the best in order to win. And so if it's the Warriors, if it's the Clippers, if it's Phoenix, whoever it is, hey, let's bring it on and see what happens.
1: Okay, last one. And I apologize for asking this, but I feel like I have to because you know him so well. You know one of these people so well. MJ or LeBron?
0: Oh, you know that's 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 a tough one. Um, it, from the standpoint that a they're different people, um, not only different people but different players. A lot of people usually ask me Kobe or LeBron because I coach them both. I think I'm the only guy that coached them both. That's true. And, again, it's it's the same thing. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you know what, it, what it's going to come down to, and I think that's why LeBron is fighting so hard to continue to show his greatness by leading his team to championships. At the end of the day, that's probably going to solidify him as being the GOAT of all time if he can if he can continue uh, on, his, on his upward trend of winning championships because he's done everything that any individual could possibly think of in this game, you know, being the all-time scoring leader and so on and so forth. But now, at the end of the day, the one thing that people can always look at is OK, well, how many championships does Michael have? How many championships does Kobe have? How many championships does LeBron have? And so uh, it's yet to be determined yet. Uh, I, I think uh, if, if, if LeBron gets, well, if he gets, especially if he gets two more, yeah, it may be a wrap. It, it, I don't even know how anybody can have much of a discussion.
1: Appreciate your time so much. Thank you, coach. And congrats on all your success. Thank you for doing this. Really means a lot to me. Honestly, there was a part of me that was still wondering, is that was that really his number? Because this seems too good to be true, but it's you. I see you. Appreciate you. Congratulations on all the success. The city of Sacramento, I had a chance to go to Arco Arena several times because it's a massive MMA town. Uriah Faber has a gym there and those crowds are incredible. And I'm so happy for that city that they're getting this season because of you. So uh, well done. I hope you guys make a deep, deep run and get that championship to Sacramento. and, And I hope you have a tremendous amount of success for many years to come in SAC Town.
0: Well, you gotta come out to golden in one center LeBec oh, okay. right? has done a fantastic job With the downtown area And the new building The fans are just as crazy We don't have as many cowbells But the fans are just as crazy So you gotta be my guest And come out for Oh it. that would be <laughs>
1: tremendous Can I light the beam? Can I light the beam?
0: Yes you become like oh, the beam Oh my
1: on. god That would be incredible Thank you coach Appreciate it Good hey, luck it's to it's you Stretch run here
0: Thank you very much man It was a pleasure
1: All right. How great was that? That was tremendous stuff. Really appreciate Mike Brown taking out some time in a, in a very busy part of the season. I mean, we are about to wrap up the 2022-2023 season, and here he is giving us all this time talking about his career, talking about the Kings, talking about the story, his philosophies. I loved everything about it, and I hope you did as well. So this is going to be the theme of this show. We are going to give you longer-form conversations with interesting people in the game of basketball, not just the players, but coaches, broadcasters, executives, everyone who is associated with the game, I'm interested in speaking to. I love interviewing people. I love the art of interviewing. I love basketball. And I just can't wait to get rolling with this show. And I'm so excited that we have finally we have finally started. The game has begun. The ball has been tipped. I can't think of any other good basketball puns. You get the point. All I ask of you is your support. Continue to download, rate, subscribe, review, follow, comment, all those things that people ask you to do when it comes to podcasts, that will help me very much. I appreciate that very much to anyone out there following along, supporting, all that stuff and more. Thank you very much. And each and every week we are going to present to you another conversation with a brilliant mind associated with the game of basketball. So sit back, relax, strap on your seatbelt. The Ariel Hawani Basketball Show era has begun. And I hope you enjoyed the very first episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And thank you very much to head coach Mike Brown. I'll talk to you next time.